and welcome to another episode of the Highlander Cast. Uh, I'm your first host, Vance. Uh, with me is our usual second host, Sav. Hello, everyone. Uh, and we've got a special guest, uh, Nathaniel from Toowoomba, who is one of the new members of the Highlander Points Committee. G'day, lads. Um, so, tonight we're going to have a bit of a slight ramble. Um, we're going to talk a bit about uh, our new committee member we're going to have a bit of a chat with. Um, we're going to talk about the Toowoomba meta because he is uh, from Toowoomba. Uh, not Tamworth, which I kept referring to it on, as on early podcasts, which is a very <laughs> different city. Go, go back and watch those old episodes <laughs> where <laughs> names were wrong. Yeah, so we're just going to have a sort of a general rambling chat about the format um, and a couple of other things along the way. But the first thing we're going to do is our regular segment uh what's the point what's our card to discuss this time sav all right so today we're going to be talking about umazawa's jitter uh it's an artifact it's an equipment it's got two mana to cast two mana to equip and then it basically wins you the game in any creature based matchups do we do we need to read that text it's, it's... yeah look we probably should <laughs> uh so whenever you hit and whenever you deal combat damage you put two counters on it and you can remove a counter to do one of the following. Uh, a, gain two life. B, give a creature plus two plus... Give the equipped creature plus two plus two. Um, C, give any creature minus one minus one. Clearly the gain um, two life mode is the most overpowered part because just imagine how much life you'd be gaining by continually doing combat damage to your opponent <laughs> or their creatures. Just so, so overpowered. The gain two life part was actually added at the last minute. Um, it originally had... Uh, I can't remember what the original ability was, but it was something that they couldn't fit all the words on the card. <laughs> um, like, I, I think it was a somewhat worse ability, but they couldn't fit all the words on the card. And they're just like, oh, just gain two life. That'll be fine. Which, <clears throat> I mean, you know, <laughs> we joke about it, but the gain two life part is a real problem for particularly very aggressive decks that you just get to a point where your opponent's like, cool, I can machine gun down your creatures with this minus one ability, or I can swing through for a hundred, or I can just gain six life if you're trying to burn me out, um, which is just a nightmare. Um, so why is this card a point? So this card's been a point for a fair while. I suspect it was on the original seven point list. Um, if the card had been printed at that time, which maybe it hadn't. But anyway, it's been on basically since it was printed. Um, because, as Sav said, it just makes creature-on-creature -creature combat impossible for the person who doesn't have the JIT. Um, your opponent is always going to be able to kill basically anything you block with because being able to add two minus one, one minus ones to combats is a killer. Like, the first time you do it, you've got to do it post-factually because... Um, and maybe your creature dies. But after that, you can just shrink the other person's creatures so that they aren't powerful enough to kill yours and they die. Um, so it makes blocking a nightmare. Uh, it deals a lot of damage. The life gain, as we said, is really good for control decks. And if it was zero, I mean, all the aggro decks would have it in their sideboard if they could still exist. Um, all the mid-range <laughs> decks would play it. Um, you do see control decks playing it sometimes. It's less common in control, both because it's not quite as good in general and also... They just don't have spare points um, most of the time. Or but, spare yeah, creatures to carry mess. them. Or creatures. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do remember seeing um, in the era where Melbourne was super obsessed with Skull Clamp, Stoneforge type decks, um, I remember seeing some decks which were like uh, Snapcaster, Baleful Strix, um, 
Stoneforge Mystic, Bitter Blossom, Jit. And I'm like, I don't think you're making the best use of your points there, but you know. Um, so this is obviously a what's the point discussion that's relevant to Toowoomba, right? Because to our understanding, Toowoomba is probably closer to the fairer side of the metagame and closer to the creature-on-creature matchups. Nathaniel, is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think we have like a few aggro players in, in Toowoomba um, that like to uh, sleeve up Jitte. Um, and also like... Um, like a couple of the like goblins players as well, um, yeah, it's it's pretty powerful in those decks when they just have just a multitude of uh, cheap creatures to suit up and just turn into giant bashing creatures. Yeah, it's the best in those decks that have spare creatures, right? Like you don't you don't have everything riding on this particular creature like a control deck would when it's got say a, a win con, hmm. but you've got spare creatures. Goblins has you know two one ones that are created by this one card, and then another three one ones created by another card, and they're relatively expendable uh, as as goblins tend to you know flavor text seems to indicate, and you can just throw the jitter on one of them and just even the difference between you know two the first two counters can completely change the tide of battle it's, it's amazing oh, for sure i mean i usually have this as my seventh point in zoo um oh yeah because i mean any aggro mirrors you just win if you're the one with the jit um but even against the mid-range decks you go from a position where you know all of your two twos and two threes are massively outclassed by their uh questing beasts and whatever to a position where you can trade one of your two threes for their questing beast and a counter and get two new counters out of the bargain. Like, um, it's very, very easy to suddenly turn the mid-range decks into a position where they're casting four mana cards that still just trade with your one and two mana cards. Um, you side it out a fair portion of the time. Like, it's against most combo decks not good enough because it, the four mana to get the first two counters on it is a lot. Um, and you might side it out against control decks depending although it can be quite good against control decks just because if you've got a pile of creatures and you know you can build up some counters on it you can get to a position where they can't ever afford to let any creature through because it's going to deal them 10 yeah so yeah yeah. I I will also put in the little bit of additional flavour text there we've talked about the functionality of uh, the Jitter in terms of what it can actually do but given that there's been so many misconceptions about the name itself, it is Jitter. So Jitter is, in fact, a Japanese historical weapon that was used by nobility, the samurai class. And they it, uh, they were called sword catchers or sword breakers, but they didn't actually do that. They weren't designed for catching a sword. They were largely for you know tangling up in people's sleeves or clothing. So if you do find someone calling it a jite or a... Jatai, or maybe a, a Jeet, or a Jeet. Uh, any of these are very, or very a j- much... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no silent J, silent E, or soft J, or any of these bizarre pronunciations that people come up with. Um, it is just Jitter. Oh, actually, sorry. I, I just looked up the original version of Jitter. It is both different text and quite a bit worse. So it's it's still the same cost um, to cast an equip, but you put one counter on it instead of two, 
Um, and instead of the minus one, minus one ability is the one that got added. Um, it was add two black mana to your mana pool. Oh, that's weird. In your oh. combat? Oh, no, no, sorry. You use the counter. You, you move on. a counter yeah, to... Yeah, got yeah. <laughs> and the reason it got changed, sorry, I'm just reading this, is uh, it turns out the rules of magic don't like it if you have a modal ability where different choices operate at different speeds. Um, oh, and so right. because adding mana is different as a sort of thing you do than the other things, they're like, oh, we don't... That That's a rules problem. Oh, that's interesting. And they were probably thinking... Uh, something gets plus two, plus two. Uh, let's just may as well give something minus one, minus one. That's obviously going to be worse because it's not plus two, plus two. You know, that's that's what they were probably thinking at the time. And then, yeah. oh, <laughs> it turned out that was uh, not uh, the case. Um, so, it is yeah. interesting that the the text can now just be updated to, you know, put put two counters on it, then remove a counter, Umazawa's charm. That's, that's what it can just do now. <laughs> it's just two words uh, now. You don't have to don't have to have all that text. <laughs> yeah. Cast your own Umazawa's charm for every counter you remove. <laughs> so yeah. That's the point of uh, our fabulous little sword breaker. It's also sorry, just talking about it a bit more, it's what I would describe as kind of an archetypal one point card. Like it's unplayable at two, um, in my opinion. Um, I think anyone who played it at two would be uh, making a serious mistake and it would just be in every deck at zero because it's colorless and it's so effective at what it does. Like every non-combo sort of deck um, would probably have one in the sideboard because even if you're a control deck with only like six or seven creatures, if you get it, it's such a game breaker. Um, so it'll probably always be on the list at one uh, is my estimation. Seems, yeah. seems seems like a reasonable assessment. So now that we've had our what's the point, shall we turn our attention to our new committee member? Uh, our what's the committee member? What's, yeah. the, what's the committee <laughs> member? I guess who rather than what? <laughs> so maybe, maybe let's uh, let's start off by uh, having Nathaniel just tell the community a one minute summary of uh, who you are and um, what you like in Highlander, that kind of thing. Just a little, little summary. Yeah, sweet. Um, I like to uh, play lots of magic. Um, I think I like to um, interact with my opponents the most. I think that um, playing combo is, uh, yeah, been there, done that. And uh, I think I finished those games and I just really think that, uh, you know, one person played a little bit of magic and your goal as a combo player is to play as little magic as possible um so yeah i think i grew out of that pretty quickly um i like to play control i like to play uh aggro i like to play <laughs> mid-range <laughs> uh so yeah lots of magic lots of interaction um yeah um you're probably I, the, the person on the committee that wants to play the most amount of magic right you're given <laughs> given the amount of time yeah, you ask everyone how you have 50 minutes available what would you like to do and you're like i want to play as much magic as possible <laughs> in that time there are some combo decks that uh i've heard described as game action tribal which play an enormous <laughs> amount of magic for one um, person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The other the, the opponent doesn't get to play any magic at all if things are going well. Or, you know, they get like 10 minutes out of the 50. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, you've you've hit on... Um, I was going to say, uh, Nathaniel or Koki, what do you prefer? Uh, Koki is what everyone refers to me as. 
um, yep, yep. So happy with that. Excellent. Well, uh, probably one of the first questions we'd have just to um, quiz you on and also enlighten the rest of the community uh, about as well is um, what it was your, this This is um, probably a question we'd, we'd like to ask everyone. What was your first experience with Highlander or your first deck or what was the first thing that kind of drew you into it? Dude, um, first time I played Highlander was just a regular um, event, just like a Friday Night Magic event, um, where one of our local judges, he came up from uh, Armadale, I think, Tyrone, and he um, he's like, hey, there's this cool format, we should play it, and he basically just introduced it to everyone, we're like, dude, this sounds awesome. But we get to play like with all these sweet cards. Like, fact or fiction wasn't uh, wasn't like playable in Legacy, right? Fact or fiction wasn't legal in, in, in any any of the other formats. It wasn't reprinted in Modern Masters yet. I was like, dude, this this format looks awesome. Like, I can play with all these cards uh, from from Legacy and heck, even vintage. So um, yeah, we uh, basically just said, hey, we're going to play it this um this Monday night. And we all sleeved it up and we had a ball was great nice so your first ever experience was probably slinging blue spells but now you're probably uh more known for jund yeah yeah um i wouldn't say uh i'm not going to claim any of the jund uh that's that's brendan miller um he's our resident jund player he loves playing he loves playing jund in uh modern and uh and legacy but he just decided he's going to sleeve up you know good old fair magic and he um was playing against uh, me. I was playing blue, blue, black Delver, uh, Delver uh, at the time. Blue, black combo. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, <laughs> with Jite, actually, Jite and uh, Bitter Blossoms. That, that's a hell of a combo. Nice. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I ended up getting paired up against him, and dude, the deck was just awesome. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do anything. <laughs> I couldn't eke out any advantage. Um, it was just it had all the answers. So I was like, okay. Brendan, you're going to have to give me this list. I want to have a look at it and I'll just leave it up. He's like, here, just borrow my deck one night. I'm not, com- I'm, not, I'm not coming this week. So I borrowed it and I think just our meta just lined up with it. And I'm like, dude, this this deck is awesome. Um, how, how, how can you lose with this deck? <laughs> um, so yeah, I've just been playing it uh, pretty much ever since. Mainly, mainly just because, um, I don't know, uh, building decks I think sometimes is a bit of a, a chore. Um, you get sick of switching decks every second week, so you're just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set this deck aside or, or play it. Um, so yeah, sometimes just next week rolls around, and you're like, ah, oh, I need a deck for Highlander. Uh, I'm not gonna take apart like two legacy decks to to build blue black uh, tempo again. Um, yeah, I'll I'll just uh, play Jund. Well, it's not even though you need to take apart um, decks. It's just you have one legacy deck. You have like four mm. Highlander decks, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's that's a really good thing about Somewhere it. Somewhere between like... four and forty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you yeah. and Sal have very different uh, experiences <laughs> of wanting to build new decks. Uh, I mean, I'm on the same page as you all often stick with the deck for quite some time, um, yeah. where Sal's like, ah, it's Thursday and we've got an event on Sunday, so that'll be like seven decks from now. Yeah, yeah. which one do I play? <laughs> well, I'm messaging the team, like, should I, should I play this or should I play that? Like, which one do you think is going to be better positioned <laughs> this weekend? And they're like, I don't know. Just play one. <laughs> Stop talking about it. Ah, <laughs> uh. oh, that's awesome. So that probably leads us into... 
a discussion about the Toowoomba matter itself because you've you've mentioned you know Jund being a uh, you know a powerhouse in the format that kind of sensation where it's good at good at everything how can you beat it um, hmm. what what would you describe or how would you describe the Toowoomba meta? Um, so we don't play with proxies in Toowoomba like we do have events where we we're like yeah let's play with some proxies let's you know um, play whatever decks you want um, but we yeah generally play with the cards that we have so that is probably a big reason why uh, people are playing fair decks like yeah. not like channel liches mirror or you know anything like that? We have had um, a couple of players play like Storm uh, or Time Walk combo. Um, Michael, um, he uh, at the top eight at GP Brisbane, mm-hmm. oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Magic Fest Mike Brisbane. Yeah. yeah, that's that's him with the yep. Ephemerate combo. Yeah, with the Ephemerate Time Walk combo. Yep, yeah, that's that's um, that's one of them. But they're really the only combo. This is before th- the printing of Thoracle. Yeah. Um, the before the. Before the dark yeah, times, yeah, <laughs> they're, 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 they're the combo decks that were really around. The rest of it was just at the time, and when we were first starting out, it was just a whole heap of Kess pile, um, just all good stuff, right? Hey, I've got like these mm. awesome cards that are in legal and legacy, <clears throat> and I can play tr- like Treasure Cruise again at one point. Like this is awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, let's just jam all these, um, uh, yeah, all these cards together. And I mean, yeah. it's one of the joys of Highlander. One of the things that works so well about it is because we do have the points list that <clears throat> changes the meta changes. Well, the meta changes, but it also mm. does mean that the person who owns like forty thousand dollars worth of Power Nine or whatever <laughs> it is for a full set these days isn't at that significant an advantage. I mean, obviously, like Moxes and Ancestral and Time Walk and Lotus, they're great cards. You can build great decks with them. But if you're a person who doesn't have that. Uh, has some jewel lands or even just shock lands and fetches you can build a pretty reasonable control deck or mid-range deck um, mm. where your points are like soul ring demonic tutor green sun zenith or something yep yeah i think that um like our community in toowoomba we had like maybe uh, let's say i don't know maybe <clears throat> four or five like dedicated well not dedicated committed legacy players that actually like have play sets of force of will uh, maybe even some duels and stuff like that, um, but not really anything beyond that. Yeah. Um, so for Highlander, why that was so appealing was um, you don't, you, you know, you don't need to have your place that's force of wills to compete in Legacy. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you can, you know, you don't need to to uh, shell out for a place out of like Underground Sea to play like Grixis Delver or something like that. <coughs> yeah. You can just sort of like yeah mash together this this deck um with dual lands shock, shock lands sorry shock lands and uh, and fetches and just yeah build a, a pretty decent deck and obviously you um, dual lands if you got them but well yeah see that's that's the thing it's like once you have this <coughs> it's like okay how do i make this deck that i've been playing for the last you know three months six months better well i just need one dual land yeah. or just just these one of each of these dual lands and then once I've got this set of dual lands, I just need these other uh, two dual lands to have the Mardu uh, dual land combo yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So that's seen a lot of players. Like the increase of dual lands owned by players in Toowoomba has increased like heaps due to this format. Yeah. Um, just people love this format. So it's so good. 
That's really, I mean, really proxies, healthy. from my perspective, <clears throat> I mean, it's obviously a problem for stores. Um, stores, Wizards understandably doesn't like people playing in events for money with prizes with proxies, right? Fair enough. Um, and stores uh, with various WPN contracts can't allow that sort of thing. Um, I do moderately prefer playing against, you know, actual cards because, you know, there's just a bit of a tactile visual thing that um, prints or, you know, photocopies, prints in sleeves or whatever can't have. But at the same time, obviously, like, you've got to do what works for your community. If you've got a community of people who are happy to play without proxies, great. If you've got people who are like, oh, I really want to try playing with moxes or whatever, um... You know, strangely, most people can't afford the X thousand dollars that it's going to cost you these days, like ten thousand dollars for a Lotus or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think you can you can have advantages of both. Um, you've got to do whatever is best for your community. And I think yeah. it's really interesting that it would be an interesting experiment to go go to a place like Toowoomba and then let's say magically overnight you go everyone you can play your local event with uh, proxy proxies for the next month and everyone kind of sleeves up a mox emerald or a mox ruby or whatever in their jun deck uh, and then they play it for a bit and they randomly spike a you know a win here or there where they're like this mox just absolutely did it there was nothing else that would have put me in a position where i want would win that game so easily from that turn one and then you get others where they top deck it and they go oh this is three points you know this would be so much better yeah. as demonic tutor and if, if you do that little experiment, you probably find that in certain metagames, uh, people will go, at the end of the one month, they go, I had a go, I had my fix, I tried my, my um, you know, Mox Emerald, and I didn't like it. I would actually prefer to play these this configuration of points that doesn't actually include power, and that's just the joys of Highlander. It just kind of fits hmm. every person's personality type if someone wants to go i want to jam time walk and i want to loop time walk seven or eight different times in this game then they can play and play towards that that time walk. but other people just don't particularly like that so um i think i think that's a that will be a really interesting experiment because you might find it's not you know it's un, unlike uh vintage for example the vintage scene is uh there's always some kind of bonus prize for unpowered, you know, the person mm. who chooses to play, you know, Richard and Ports and Wastelands instead of uh, Mox and, and Ancestral Recalls. And that person, they try and see who can go the highest, you know, then sometimes they get, you know, ninth place or, you know, seventh place or something like that. Um, and that's big, that's an acknowledgement to the fact that without power, your deck is a massive uphill battle. And that's just not the case in Highlander. So. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, really interesting to see that in mm. that to on the meta. Well, and it's... Sorry, one of the problems that you have with firing vintage events at all these days at things like GPs mm. is that it's such a large investment because although you can play these unpowered, you know, wastelandy, null roddy kind of decks, um, they're in general not as powerful. And also, the, it's not as fun. Like, if you're going to play vintage, go crazy. Um is my view on it but um yeah yeah the old like why are you playing the format question which we touched <laughs> yeah. on in the format building or the format curation episode a couple of episodes ago yeah. Uh, yeah why are you playing vintage well i'm playing because i'm playing with power like that's 
that's the answer to play vintage i'm not going why am i playing hmm. vintage i really really want to cast richard put richard and port into play and then i want to play null rod and stop my opponent's power and you know get the grief the grief you know fix and maybe you'll get the grief of fix you know once or twice and then after that you kind of go well, why am I playing this? Well, I could just do this in Legacy or, or whatever it is in a different kind of style. But the question of why you're playing Highlander, really Highlander it, but... yeah, yeah, that's it. So uh, some people will like that. Um, but if you ask someone why are you playing Highlander, if you ask uh, 100 people why do you play Highlander, you're probably going to get a variety of different responses, and they can range anywhere from because it's cheap or because i can play the thing that got banned in another format or because i can play the deck that rotated out in modern mm. or because i can you know whatever, whatever it is it's you know because i can play my ancestral recall or because i don't have to play with ancestral recall or you know whatever those answers are there's going to be a lot of various answers and and um toowoomba is a is another good example of how you can get pockets of uh, personality and you know play style and things that people just like and in Toowoomba you've got a pocket of people that just like to have interaction and that leads yeah. itself to not being a powered environment it actually leads itself to being an environment where you're going to spend um, uh, points on Wasteland Green Sun Zenith Demonic Tutor you know these types of cards mm. well, and a handful said. of us a handful of us very seriously contemplating buying an Ancestral Recall um, so yeah. Um, that said, you and your people have been running some uh, digital events during the um, no house leave time. Yeah. Which includes obviously the Toowoomba people and uh, people from around Australia Everybody. and possibly mm. outside Australia. I'm not sure. Uh, how have those been going? Yeah, good. Um, I think we've yeah we've run three of them so far. Oh, yeah. There's another one coming up. Um, and yeah, they've been they've been good. We just um. Um, I was just hanging out with um, Tim, a, a guy I met through actually <laughs> Highlander tournaments, believe it or not, um, nice. from Brisbane. Um, Tim uh, Tim Go, uh, he oh, yeah. he um, he and I were just chatting one night. We we're just catching up over Discord. I'm like, hey, let's play some let's play some Magic. Um, do you have a webcam? He's like, yeah, I got a webcam. I'm like, dude, why don't we just like face it down and just play some Paper Magic? So we did that, and then we were like doing this massive like, uh, like we'll, we'll do our voice through Discord, and then we'll, we'll record it, um, uh, our screens through Google Hangouts, and we'll get all that happening. And Dave Truman, he 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 chimed in, like, um, dude, this is this is pretty good. We could probably make this better. Let's look at like um, streaming this kind of stuff. Anyway, so we. Um, yeah, next night just tested it out a little bit further and worked out that we could actually have video in Discord and it just went from there. So Dave Truman actually um, set up the video channels uh, in the Discord channel, so he's pretty much like to thank for how easy it is to uh, to um, just like basically jump into the Discord, jump into a table and then just play. Um, so it's been they've been pretty good. Um, I think yeah, people have loved. Uh, like getting a chance to play maybe um I, I know like in the middle of like all this uh covid stuff um just people could not play there was no events so they were just like itching to play they got all this paper <laughs> they're like i don't have an mtgo collection it's like i've got all this paper magic that i want to play like i'm just itching uh, me included um so yeah they were like just the just the the itch, the, the the scratch to the itch, I, I think. 
And you, you and Dave did such a fantastic job of uh, making it accessible. So you wrote some primers. I remember, uh, you know, just just hearing about digital digital webcam events, and you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking exactly the same thing. Uh, not not going out, not eating dinner out. So you've got you know a little bit of extra money. So you spend what do you spend the money on? Oh, I want to spend it on some you know cardboard. You get the cardboard. You're like, yes, I've got this card that I really want to play, and I can't play it. <laughs> and then you know you hear oh wow, people are playing via webcam in an actual event. And I thought oh it's gonna be so much effort, so much work. And then I just kind of went in, and you guys had made these like you know magic online for dummies type primers that were just mm. dot points really really clear step one do this step two do that step three profit it was just <laughs> so straightforward and you know it took five minutes and then bam we're playing magic and um I, you 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 hit the nail on the head you found you found everyone hadn't had an itch you knew exactly how to scratch it so absolute mm. kudos to you to, for doing that yeah, that was the thing. That was the thing. I was talking to Dave, like the, what's what's gonna prevent people from playing? Like, because we can just do this. We can just play with a couple of people, and yeah, we were doing that for maybe a week or something. Like, we would swap. Um, you know, I'll I'll play this person while you go into this other channel and play that person, and like after a while, we're just versing the same decks, and it's just like, what if we just had an event? Um, and yeah, the the question was like, whoa, that's a bit ambitious. Like, huh, mm. how are we gonna get people involved? Like. Dude, getting them to set it up, it's just going to be so hard. And like, well, let's make it as easy as possible, <laughs> like as easy as possible for them. Mm. Just literally download the software, plug it in, and then just send it. If you have a phone, like you can do it. It's very easy. So yeah, um, uh, the first event was a success, and all the others were a lot of fun. Um, yeah, you've been netting testing like thirty players plus or yeah, minus. Right? I think the biggest one was thirty-six. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, and that's and, that was... and that's even with all of the potential barriers. When you when you look at um, you know technology and all these things which are presenting actual barriers or perceived barriers, you know how many times have you you know talked to a player at a store and gone and they go, "What are you playing?" and you go, "We're playing Highlander," and they say, "Oh, that Highlander, what's that?" You start talking about it. They go, "Ah, oh, no, it's not. I I can't do that. It's I'm not going to be able to build that deck. Or I'm not going to be." You know, there's all these barriers that they think about in accessibility, and you try to you try to answer those with you know, okay, well, you can borrow this deck, you can borrow these cards, you can build this deck which doesn't involve any dual lands or whatever it might be. And um, it's the same with technology, right? People have this have a perception of there being a barrier, and you just want to make sure that there those barriers are, um, you know, you want to ameliorate the effects of them as best as possible. And then when people just get started, you know, once you put a you know, a Highlander deck in someone's hands and you get them to shuffle it up and start playing it and they realise there isn't a barrier to them playing that format. Same thing digital. You, 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 you know, hit the nail on the head. With with Highlander, we had that in Toowoomba, that exact that exact, exact situation where, you know, it's like, oh, wait, I can play with power? Mm. Okay, this is just not for me. This is just legacy. Uh, this mm. is just vintage. And I'm like, no, it's, it's totally not. You can play a Black Lotus, but that's going to take up, like, you know, more than half of your points. You've only got seven of them. So mm. that means you can't probably play, you know, a Snapcaster Mage alongside it. That means you can't play, you know, you can't play Time Vault and um, Black Lotus in the same deck. That's just not possible. So, yeah, once they actually, like, played a game, they're like, this this is actually fine. Like, this mm. is actually... There's, there's actually a lot of thought that needs to go into it. It's not just jam you know, jam all the best cards. It's mm. like, 
you can try and jam all the best cards, but you're going to have to cut some of them because if you don't uh, do the points calculations when you're building your deck, you're going to have to cut a whole heap of <laughs> a whole yeah. heap of cards. I remember building like one of the like without having the points list beside me, you just sort of, you come into this and you just go in blind and you're just like, okay, I'm going to play this, I'm going to play that. And then you count it up, it's like, I've got 14 points here. I'm going to have to cut some cards. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut some cards. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think once people actually start to play it, they, they yeah, they realize that um, it's not as bad as they think. I actually have a question for you on, on that. When mm. you were starting to build your metagame and you know it started off as however many players you know four players or so and and um uh tyrone was you know getting you into it through to now um mm-hmm. what was yours what was your approach to things like data collection like did you get hard copy deck lists uh you know did were there no deck lists and everyone just kind of played played a deck and it was all unsanctioned what 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 happened there yeah i think when we started, I think our first event was probably something like 12 people um, for our first event. Um, we just had a ball. Um, we were like sort of scratching our heads because we're all pretty close up there, but we were sort of scratching our heads like, how do we make sure these, um, you know, everyone's playing the right amount of points? Mm-hmm. We didn't do any deck lists or anything like that. It was just basically, hope you guys are playing less than seven points or seven points. Um, so there was no checking or anything like that, but um, as for like collecting the data, mm, we've run some competitive REL events, and like this is like probably later in the piece, as in like uh, more recently, mm-hmm. um, and we've collected deck lists then, but prior to that, it's just there was no. It was just like, yep, um, you know, Brock won on Kess Pile, and here is points. Or this is just like basically every every week or every you know um, every Monday night we'd play Highlander, and it was you know so and so on Caspile, so and so on Caspile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we weren't really uh, recording what points they were playing or anything like that. It was just this is the deck they're playing, um, this are the colors they're playing. Yeah, I sometimes wish that we could delve into the past and you know trawl uh, uh, you know these nascent metagame uh, data and go uh, what what were people playing when they didn't have their dual lands you know were they more likely to be playing uh, a particular points configuration like wasteland strip mine because those are two quite accessible with the reprint various reprint uh, cards uh, or were they more likely to be playing, um, you know, cards that are very, very popular in Legacy, like Stoneforge Mystic, back when that was a point? Um, so those those are kind of questions that I, I've always had in the back of my mind. And, and actually, one of the one of the um, reasons for this recent development that we've been working on uh, with the Seven Point Highlander.com.au's results uh, entry portal. And you've been absolutely instrumental in this. And by the time this episode goes out, uh, this will be uh, essentially maybe in ac- in action for maybe one or two events around around Australia. But if you haven't already uh, touched base to have a look at it, uh, it basically addresses all of these kind of concerns that we've had in the past, which is you know things like accessibility uh, and barriers to for use, and also data collection. Um, in that it's a relatively simple portal. 
you after an event, if you are a tournament organizer, you uh, jump onto the website and you just click on some tick boxes for the seven different points in your first place player and tick on those click boxes for seven different points for your second place player all the way down to eight player. Eight, eight players it takes probably what maybe 10 minutes or so um, oh, for nice. a TO. Yeah, less than 10 minutes to do to do that for your for your tournament or um, for those of you who don't have a, you know you might have a store and the store is just um, running the seven point event because you guys are interested in it um, but they don't necessarily have any vested interest in say curation of data um, you just ask the players afterwards just tell everyone hey jump on seven point Highlander um, uh, the website and then just enter your result and you, you know, I came fifth so I'll click uh, I'll write my name fifth place fifth to eighth place uh, and then I'll tick my seven points and go submit um, and this is going to be a method of for us going forward to be able to actually collate data because obviously we've got so much data but it just doesn't exist in the right form so you've got people posting their points up online uh, on uh, Facebook or you've got people po posting their lists and so on but we don't really have a way to to curate that data it exists it's a, in a flash you get to have a little flash look at what happened today and then it just kind of gets pushed off the page and um, I know that the as a little bit of history from this uh, probably about three years ago uh, I had this idea of why don't we just collect points just just collect points and we have it go into a data you know, some kind of um, uh, body of data that we can crunch some numbers on and we can give some information to the community every once in a while. And everyone I talked to uh, was like, well, that's that's really hard. You know, we're, it's, it's possible, but we don't quite know how to do it. And I didn't know how to do it. Um, and so it kind of sat on the, on the back, boiler, back burner. And then uh, I, I talked to Nathaniel and he's like, yeah, we can do that. And I, I kid you not, I literally kid you not, an idea that we've had for years and years and uh, thought about how to try and make it a reality, uh, he just practically clicked his fingers like the technological genius that he is and goes, here it is, bam, you know, <laughs> like, look, look, we can, we can do it. And this prototype, you know, tear came to my eye. That's the, that's the level of, <laughs> of how much it was. Just <laughs> it was very moving. for a second. Um, for anyone who's not aware, there is now, and it has been for, what is it, six months, nine months, a year? I don't know, time is weird. Um, a website that the committee runs called 7ph.com.au, um, which has, it's where all the announcements for points changes and any other, you know, bannings or whatever get posted. Um, it's where this portal will be. There'll be a link on there where you can go to it and enter um, the results from your event or uh, what have you. Um, and it should sort of be your first stop if you're after information about the format because um, it's where we'll be putting things um, as soon as they're ready. So um, Yeah, that's it. We've got and a that's where we keep there. all, you can kind of link all the watch lists and stuff. Um, and one of, one of those other places as well is uh, Moxfield, which uh, uh, Vance, you've been in contact with Ben there and he's been... No, no, so uh, not not quite. So we don't actually link to Moxfield. Um, Harry and John, I think, are the people who run Moxfield. Um, oh, okay, yeah. But Ben uh, from Melbourne, who's one of our community members in the Discord, has been putting all of the old deck lists from uh, nationals and GPs and Moxing days and stuff um, onto Moxfield because it's a, a more modern, easier 
user-friendly way to look at it. Obviously, the points don't reflect the current points list because these are from years past. But I think he's got like two or three years worth of um, deck lists as just sort of a starting point for people who want to go, oh, like, what's a good Jun deck list or what's a good Storm deck list look like? Mm-hmm. You'll be able to find one in these. Um, I'll try and get a link from him to find those uh, and put it in the show notes. Um, Absolute tireless efforts there from Ben. That's that's fantastic. That, that is no mean feat to just trawl all previous data and actually enter <laughs> yeah. it. it. That is so good. Absolute um, hats off. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, mean, I did the... check into Moxfield uh, when you had mentioned it, and I went, wow, how are there so many High- Highlander decks on here? This is amazing. <laughs> so, there have yeah, been a bunch from other Ben's people work. as well. Um, there have been a bunch from other people as well. Um, oh, good. And it does have the advantage, like... You can just get a text deck list and copy and paste it into there, and it's just like, oh yeah, we can do this, and it'll tell you any cards that it doesn't think exists, and you can fix those mm-hmm. ones up, um, much like uh, many websites do. But as I've said before, the advantage of Moxfield is they uh, recognize we exist as a format, so they'll check your points for you. Um, there's a bar down the bottom. We'll say, you know, you've got sixty cards, fifteen cards in your sideboard, seven points. Great, go your That's hardest. so good. It's, uh, it's great to have that collaboration and. Um, uh, on so so do check out these check them out in the links uh, below uh, we got we got slightly distracted from the the point of saying that uh, Nathaniel is just an absolute boss it's essentially yeah. the conclusion of that <laughs> of that you yeah. know little <laughs> aside there <laughs> um, and I think we're not quite at the end but we're nearing the end so let's just have a couple of kind of rapid fire questions for Kogi uh, what's your favorite card to play in Highlander oh um. I like to play lots of cards. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have a lot of honourable mentions, but I think oh, nice. right now in the deck that I'm playing at the moment, uh, fairest of the fair, like Huntmaster of the Fells. Oh, an absolute oh, beautiful unit. Nice. He is an absolute unit. He's, yeah. I actually really want oh, to get my so hand good. on one with the uh, alternate the alternate art one, um, the Madly Villeneuve. Oh, nice. Is that like the Transform one? Um, I mean, it's only available in English, and I do like to get, you know, the... Uh, alternate language cards, but if there's no alternate languages, the English will do, I guess. Uh, Russian um, foil hunt master of spells. Come on, man. So I good. think my current one is Japanese. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. So, oh yes, um, I'm looking at that at that one. That do- that looks really cool. Yeah, it's really art. good art. Um, I don't like the art on the back quite as much as the art on the is back this, of the original one, but the art on the front is much better. Is this the transform one? Is this? I think the, it's like, yeah from the from, vault. Is it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so you like so you like Huntmaster because it is boiling. it is really it is so the, the fairest of the fair, isn't yeah, it? Like in if in the right meta game, it's just insane, and in a combo meta game, they just kind of laugh at your sorcery <laughs> speed four drop that you tap out for, and they're like, yep. "Yeah, whatever, I don't <clears> care, <throat> just flip that guy. Don't doesn't yep. matter to me." Yeah, I mean, yep. I've, I've still got it in um, red green. It's a solid beta. Um, it's good. They just like oh sweet that's four power and then then they take then they take two in their you know mm. in your upkeep and then they take six it's yeah it's nice it's excellent I love it. What are your honourable uh, mentions? Honourable mentions to in the deck that I'm playing at the moment: Dark Confidant, mm-hmm. Hex Drinker, Bone Crusher Giant, and Deathrite Shaman. Love All those good cards. Choices. Um, and other cards that I love to cast and pretty much in like this is the format that I like to play them in. Snapcaster Mage, Delver of Secrets, Tassiger, and Counter Squall. Oh, Counter Squall! They're like negate oh, but drain the two. 
but drains them for two. Nice. Just like beautiful. So good. Also, just for it's the so listeners, good. if you can hear any weird background noise when I'm speaking, it's because there are some, I'm guessing, very drunk people singing on the footpath outside. <laughs> oh, is it already Christmas time? Maybe there's some carols going. Oh, who knows? <laughs> Um, uh, okay, how about another and question? What's your, your favourite what art? Oh, favorite okay, art. that's a great one. Oh, um, Elish Norn, hands down. I've oh, got yeah, Elish Norn's pretty right good. Right behind me, right behind me, foil Elish Norn. Like, see, I, I think for Magic, I'm a collector first and then a player second. So a format like this, I just get to play with all my sweet cards. So, yeah, I have way too many cards that I just have framed and sitting in like a glass cabinet behind me that I'm oh, never going to play because nice. <laughs> it's just like love Elish Norn, love Tasker, love Deathrite Shaman like those those are my three favourite uh, arts and the cards are also busted too <laughs> oh that's so good I think that's one of the one of the bonuses to magic that goes beyond the maths right We're, we are fundamentally a game with um, a bunch of combat math and trying to get your opponent's life total from 20 to zero we don't go when we describe up to someone what's what's that game you play you know we say oh it's this strategy game where we use cards you know we don't go i'm a planeswalker wizard walking the multiverse and calling upon I mean, my memories of my home world to <laughs> use mana um, to power these spells no they, they're not gonna they're, like the gameplay is super important but if the game existed as just like text boxes yes and it was just like you know generic fight three three one mana mm-hmm. that would be a very boring game good card but boring game. Exactly, exactly right. So yeah, you, you're, you're so on the money when it comes to uh, art being important. And you know, sometimes you don't need to have something be playable, but it happens to be the fact that the arts are on playable cards. So that's good. <laughs> what, what about um, a if you could change just one thing about the format, um, what would it be? If there's one thing you don't like about it, oh. what, what would that uh, change be? Uh, that people wanted to interact with me more and not combo off and kill me on turn one. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> Don't cast channel on turn two or something. <laughs> I was yeah. playing some casual games with Mulch and he it's like, okay, I'll change up my decks, I'll change up my decks now. And then he brings it he brings out this um time vault deck. It was like a I think it was blue white time vault. And he just proceeds to go like uh Lotus Petal, um Mox Opal, um, City of Traders, Time Vault, oh. question mark. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. He's like, okay, a Voltaic Key, combo you out. And I'm like, oh, sweet, <laughs> cool. Um, guess we go game two? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't remember if it was actually game one or game two, but um, it was just like, ah, oh, sweet, okay, sweet. Um, yep, okay, next game. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think, one of um, us had a lot of fun uh, yeah. in this game. That's that's a <laughs> yeah. good thing, you know. Someone someone had fun. Someone had fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's understandable. I mean, if you if we were looking at you know you were listing out your favourite cards and we're like Snapcaster Mage, Counter Scroll, yeah. Elish Norn, Channel. Wait, wait, why is Channel in there? We, we know <laughs> we can tell we can definitely tell by the, like uh, the others. favourite cards which cards you probably don't like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and look, I'm not opposed to like combo, like as much as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're playing, if you're playing Splinter Twin or you're playing Thoracle, um, I think that there's elements to those decks that which want to interact with me. I think Thoracle, it like right up into that, it's just a combo deck, right? Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, a control deck. Mm-hmm. Um, just playing all these sweet, sweet, um, uh, like control elements and like cantrips, and then they just combo kill you, like like Splinter Twin, right? 
I loved yes. playing Splinter Twin when it was when it was legal. Um, yeah, Look, and in in modern that, that is for me at least. Um, playing against a deck like Storm can be quite fun. Like Zoo versus Storm is actually a really interesting game in a different way because it's just a can you find just enough disruption to slow them down just enough that your speed is good enough to beat them but where it's not fun for me is where the combo decks are sort of regularly sub turn three or so you know if they go off occasionally on turn one or two yeah okay good beats um you know it's the same as occasionally you're playing against a control deck and they've just got all exactly the right removal at all all the time and you know there's nothing you can do or you get mana flooded or whatever like magic is a game of chance as well as skill um, but uh, I definitely wouldn't enjoy the format as much if it was just, uh, as you say, you know, uh, turn two, combo, turn two, combo, turn two, combo, oh, turn three, combo. Like, uh, you know. Yeah, I think I remember the first the first ever, um, uh, because, because my first ever deck was junk, so I have a lot of affection for it, and, you know, the interaction you play is... Duress Inquisition thought sees in the sideboard, but in the main deck you just, you know, mid-range plan and your one piece of interaction is mental misstep. I remember playing, you know, some of my first experiences when I travelled abroad. So playing in South Australia, that that was fine. Then I travel abroad and sit down to a match and the first time I ever see the Talarian Draw Sevens deck was it was, you know, my first ever outside of state match. And in game one, I just they just absolutely went off. And I thought to myself, game one, what are what are my odds of winning? Like, what what is the one hand that I need to draw to win if I was able to know this deck and mulligan in game one? And it was mulligan to mental misstep and hope they have like Candelabra of Tornos in hand. You know, yeah. that's that was that was kind of my uh, and I Those and I went outs. to myself, wow, I have built my deck so not for this metagame. This was just it was so eye-opening, and yeah. it is it is interesting, uh, and it will be interesting to see how we collect uh, this points data in the coming um, you know uh, quarters and so on, and, and we give yeah. the reports back to the community to to see how maybe when you compare uh, what's good in certain meta games and what's bad in them, but also when people come together from the major events. Uh, are there certain things that you want to actively build your decks around? Because maybe playing a junk deck with only mental misstep as the one piece of interaction on the stack is probably not <laughs> not the way to build a deck for an interstate scene, you know, or, yeah. or a national scene. Um, so yeah, that that experience you had of Hermit Druid, I understand. <laughs> it's, uh, time vault, uh, yeah. Hermit Druid. Time, yeah. time vault, yeah. Yeah, time um, vault, sorry. <laughs> I just, just I hear mulch and I just think in my head hermit druid. Like hermit that's druid. <laughs> that's just it's synonymous, right? <laughs> yeah. So you think mulch himself is a hermit druid? Oh, maybe we could get altered art. We could ask him if he wants an altar of that. <laughs> if we get someone who's really, really good artist could uh, alter that for him. Um also, also just on the data collection stuff, um, we keep mentioning top eight. We really, really want top eights. Top eights obviously are they're the decks that are doing well, which is very important data, but 9 to 16s, because often they can be tied for top 8, we really like. And even decks lower down, that can be quite informative. Because if you're in a situation where you're like, oh, at this 60-player GP event, there were three Rug Life decks in the top 8. And you're like, oh, that's pretty bad. But then if you have all the rest of the data, and you're like, oh, there was actually 25 in the field. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, then, you know, whatever. That's just sort of expected value. And I, it, that really goes back to... Um, 
you know, the quality of data. Our, yeah. our quality yeah. of data is going to be poor if uh, if people systematically report in the same way. So only ever the first player reports their result. And so you're only going to yeah. get first places yeah. or something. But instead, think of it on the other end of the spectrum. If you're playing uh, Tinker and you love Tinker and you play in one event and you just absolutely bomb out and then you play in the next event and you bomb out again and you go what's going on and you reconfigure your points you're still playing tinker and then you play again and you get like 30 second place and it's really really frustrating this is the opportunity for you to feed that back to us in high quality data it means that over the course of three events we can see that someone who's playing tinker is not top eighting so when you are looking at reporting it's better to uh, report all of the th- every time you in- enter a tournament and you don't get top eight you go and report it you just go it takes you 30 seconds and you just chuck in your points because then we get good quality data and we know what's actually going on in the format and what are people having a good time with and what are people having a bad time with yeah but i think we're gonna wrap up now yeah i think so i think that yeah. was uh, most of the questions we want to fire off uh, to to Koki, I think hope, hopefully by the end of this episode, people will now have a better um, idea of uh, actually both last episode and this episode a better idea of the uh, configuration of our new uh, Highlander committee. Yeah. So um, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, as usual, you can follow us on Twitter as uh, at Highlandercast. You can send us questions there. Um, it doesn't get checked every day but i try and check it fairly regularly um and we can answer you there or you can uh tweet at me uh i'm at vancy and notions uh koki are you on the tweets uh i am um but i don't use it as much as i like to let me just quickly totally find fair. my twitter yeah um well you're uh, i'd be that. i'd be impressed if it was like koki at, at Koki or something. <laughs> it is. It's at Koki underscore MTG. Nice. Oh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> um, this, that's like always be branding, ABV, just consistently, <laughs> consistently branding. No one can ever confuse it. <laughs> um, we've also got uh, a Facebook page, um, which is just Highlander Cast on Facebook. Um, and we've got a Patreon uh, where you can go and uh, support us directly there. And we use the money from that to improve... Um, the quality of our recording equipment uh, to support the people who uh, support us through things like the opening and closing music, um, which we actually need to do in the near future, Sav. Um, and yeah, yeah, and uh, events and that sort of thing. So um, these are all really helpful things you can do. You can also just go on to iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on and uh, give us a review, um, which will help more people find the cast. Actually, any number of uh, websites now. So there's... Um, as we mentioned a couple of times, 7ph.com.au is your place to go to get all your announcements uh, about the format. Um, points lists, watch lists, etc. Um, there's also a feedback section on there where you can send it, and I think it emails all of us. Um, or you can contact any of the committee members on Facebook or Twitter or whatever if you've got their details. Um, which I will try and post in the show notes for those of us who have that um or you can search up seven point highlander on facebook and find uh, the facebook group there's also a discord which is very active um the discord has people on it most of the day and most of the night 
Um, there's a uh, section in there called Fight Club where you can go if you want to play some online games. Um, and there's also a Toowoomba Discord, which I'll link in the show notes, um, where you can find Koki and various people um, who are, again, also often have games going regularly and they have uh, regular FNMs. Depending on when this went out, there will be another Highlander online FNM either three days from now or three days ago. If it's three days ago, I'm sorry, that wasn't very much help. Um, Somewhere in between, right? <laughs> 17th, I believe. Yeah, if you're interested in signing up for that, if it is still to in the future, it's on the 17th, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on Friday, uh, you can go to challenge.com forward slash 7PH and we're actually getting users to sign up this time so that we can, like, they can re- re- um, post their own results. Oh, so yeah. that, that should be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah very good. Um, and we'll be trying to get people from that to put their deck lists into the doobly-doo on the um, hmm. 7ph.com.au website. Um, and I think that's everything. Um, any last second thoughts, either of you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like just give the shout out to the boys in Toowoomba. You guys are a great uh, mob of uh, mob of people. Like we just have, um, yeah, great group of friends that um, pretty much came from Magic. Like, um, yeah, I work with uh, people that I met from Magic. Um, my <laughs> my wife is actually um, one of her friends is actually married to one of my friends from Magic. So uh, <laughs> yeah, shout yeah. out to everyone that's uh, playing Magic in Toowoomba. Nice. Uh, love you guys. That's awesome. Right. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone. Bye. Right. Sweet. That's a wrap. So I uh, hear you just press uh, stop.